All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves, a nice Friday episode. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the support. Tim, you went home, got away from the hurricane. Was that on purpose, running away from the big big storm headed your way? Well, not exactly. My Tomorrow is a bachelor party uh, for my oh, brothers. that's right. But I was going to fly out tonight, Friday night, um, but with the hurricane going on, I knew I wouldn't get out. So I ended up leaving yesterday morning, bit of a long day, but I got here, I'm home, I'm back in Boston. and Frantically planning the final touches of the bachelor party. It's going to be insane. Are you ready for the debauchery that's going to go down? I got to pick up uh, Cheez-Its, Oreos, Sprite. What if the store doesn't have Sprite? I have to go to a second store. These are the things you don't think about, you know? So it'll be fine. I I wish I was there. It's going (laughs) to, I don't know. Like the young kids, their bachelor parties, what you guys, I'm, I'm excited to know the results Monday morning. I'm very, very excited. We'll all be thinking about all the fun you're going to have. It's going to be epic. It's going to be so great. Right. Going to be legendary. Going to be awesome. I hope so. What did you think of that Zuccarello? We all we like to do a recap of the interviews. What did you think? One of our better ones, one of our worst ones? Uh, one of our better ones. I could tell maybe he didn't want to be there as much as some other players do. He was kind of looking around the room when he was talking, little things like that. But it was cool that he was, and we got some good stories. And that that one with Torch just blew up online, the Carmelo Anthony That's story. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty good. The Rangers fan base got a hold of that. So that was fun and a couple other good nuggets there. So it was good. It was cool to get him on. I did the same thing when I played for the Hawks, not to the extent of putting on his jersey and stuff, but I actually stole Derrick Rose's shoes What when he, when he was with the Chicago Bulls. And I have him somewhere in a box, somewhere. Just because okay. he had like six pairs of them in his locker. And I'm like, these fit me perfectly. He, he's, he won't miss one pair. And that's back when he was like MVP candidate. So were they like on display or do you ever wear them around or what? You know what it was? Basketball players, they put special soles in them. So I didn't really wear them because there was no insole in the shoe. So they must just like take their soles out for different shoes. I, I, I guarantee you they get them like specially made from doctors and stuff because they're, they're basketball yeah. players. They're on their feet all the time. But so I, 
I never wore them because they were uncomfortable. It was just flat, but I have them. But then they don't, they'd say D Rose on them or something. I was going to ask him for this autograph, but then I thought I'd get in trouble. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Shoes. <laughs> yeah, here's your shoes. I stole them. But yeah, it's that was a good story. Zooks, you could tell you're right. He wasn't interested. And the last few, Swayman and him, they do the interview from the rink. Yeah. It, it's not as good because there's distractions. He had Kirill there the whole time, peeking in, giving him a hard time, playing jokes with him. What was funny, you guys didn't see the listeners, and you probably didn't see it at all. You don't watch the interviews. They are on YouTube if you want to, though. Before the interview even started, Kirill popped in, and we were chatting because Zooks was not happy about my my statement saying that, you know, imagine if Kirill had some line mates, how many goals he would score. Zooks caught wind of it. Not happy, and Kirill came in. He's like, "No Zooks, no goals, or something in Russian." I couldn't understand that well, but he was there. I know that I tried to great, get him. Yeah. I tried to get him because I know the PR guy for Minnesota, and so I was like, "Sicky, his name is Aaron Sickman." Like, give me Kirill. He's like, "Your Kirill's not talking to anybody." Like, there's no way you're getting Kirill ever. He won't even do interviews for a long time because of that whole Russia thing getting out of Russia, the whole debacle surrounding him. So there, he, he will not talk for a long time about Dave, that topic. Yeah, that story is crazy. I was reading a little bit about it. It reminds me of um, the stuff from the 80s, like getting uh, uh, Fedorov and all those Russian guys out of yeah. the Soviet Union. Like, it's crazy. The clandestine ops is nuts. The McGillney, all the, yeah. It's uh, playing in Buffalo, you heard a little bit because there's a couple guys who were around when McGillney came in. And the secrecy, the secrecy, excuse me, all like the, there was a ton of stuff that was going on, like the KGB agents in Buffalo trying to get McGillney. Like it was, Russia's a wild country. Did you see they just, the USA just said everyone out and there's something like 40 or 50 North American hockey players playing in Russia currently. What would you do? Here's, here's a scenario. If you're Canadian or American, either way, both countries, I think, have told everybody living there to come home. But you're making like $5 million. You just left the AHL after chasing your dream for a long time in the NHL. And you just said, you know what? I'm going to go cash in. And you signed a couple-year deal in Russia with the KHL. Would you leave and risk never seeing any of that money? This is your, this is your time. But then if you yeah. stay, you could be a political prisoner somehow. I just I just moved my flight up for a hurricane. So you know I would have been out of Russia <laughs> way before it got to this point. I would not have had to make a decision. It would have been like the first wind of it. I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. So yeah, but if yeah. you have no like no kids, no family, no wife, and you're there and you're you know, you're 26, 27, you only have a finite amount of years to make this money, and you sign a big deal with I don't know, the what's a big KHL team? moscow whatever it is like gosh i would be inclined to stay just ride it out well you know that they have like handlers with the team or from the government just talking to those guys like hey listen all the stuff going on you have nothing to worry about like we're just going to keep doing our thing we want you to stay here's some extra cash here's what do you need we'll get it for you don't worry about all the noise it's not going to bother and they'll say whatever they can do to get those guys to stay and just turn their eyes to it so it is kind of scary or they just don't let them leave yeah, that too. Because after I finished playing, there was a few guys who I played with who would go to Russia and do like big tours and do events and play games and stuff. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to get them in trouble, but you they would pay you big money. 
and you would you would party with these like russian oligarchs the big oil guys because they all love hockey for whatever reason and so you'd go and you play in these games i'm sure you've seen the videos of like putin skating around and stuff but they they do that but maybe on a lesser scale and they like the stories they would have when they would come back are incredible like just insane things they would do where they would just literally give them fully automatic machine guns and they would go around and just spray everything, whatever they wanted. They would have like luxury up the yin yang trains and planes and cars and Range Rovers everywhere. And everything was secretive because you're always worried about getting robbed and they would go to bars and clubs and it was just insane. Like it, the, the stories they had were just incredible. And they, they asked me if I wanted to go and, I didn't even ask my wife because it was just like, I know the answer is no. And even if it was yes, I don't think I would have gone because, you know, it's just trouble. It's trouble, Tim. But anyways, Zook interview was good. I like it. No, yeah. Anyway, back to Zook. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was back to other stuff. Well, because the longer I talk, the more I'll get in trouble. So I just try to, because I do, you know, things, things slip out. And then maybe when I'm like 80 and if this podcast is still going, I'll just go scorched earth. Yeah. And just like, I would never do that either. I, the people who leave the game and then all of a sudden they, they, they are on a higher, a higher moral ground and they just, oh, what these guys are doing is terrible. I'm like, you did it too. And now you're complaining because you're not benefiting from it. It's like, like all the fighters who left the game and all of a sudden like, well, I don't think fighting is good. We should get rid of it because of the concussions. Oh, because you've gotten your money. Now you want to leave and like stay relevant again and like undercut all the fighters that are currently in the NHL. I'm like kick rocks. You guys like that's So it's just, that stuff drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I don't like that stuff. But anyway, Hey, did you see Tua to Tua Tagli over the, the Miami? He should not have been playing. He should not have been playing. It's really scary. The fingers, especially. Oh, uh, it was just. Oh, he, how can no they fly him home? Played. What's how, that? How is a two-hour flight like good for the brain in that situation? They flew him home with the team. That's crazy. Maybe man. a specialist. I don't know. I but no, the compression up there, like it, it doesn't seem like they're very good with that whole situation in Miami. You would think. Anything- <laughs> And then the coach said it was like only a concussion after the, the game. Cause like, he doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. It's just crazy. Well, it's always a second one. That's worse. It's never the first one. You could run head first into a brick wall as hard as you can. And then you just bonk your head on like a door frame the next day. The second one is what's going to do all the damage because your brain's already bruised. It's, it's already sustained a little traumatic injury. It's, it's Yeah. It's it's scary stuff that concussion stuff. I, I'm like very. Ha- I got a couple, but never to the point where I'm just like curling my fingers or having a seizure. I blacked out once when I was like 14. I got lit up. Hockey or fight? Hockey, loose, yeah. loose puck playing the Stony Creek. Oh, what are they called? Stony Creek something. Came across the red line. A guy came out of nowhere and just buried me. Fell back. Forgot where I was, blacked out, sat up. I'm like, what am I doing here? Jumped on the bench, and then I, I just continued playing. Because back then, when you're 14, 13, it's just like, whatever. You know, No one knows what it was back then. That was back in the Stone Age. No one even knew what a concussion was. So, all right, back to hockey. Back to hockey, Tim. 
There's some news to talk about the salary cap increase. We got some, the, the drama surrounding the Calgary flames, all those guys who got traded. Now Daryl Sutter dips his toe into the controversy and starts making some comments, which I love. We got some, we got some quick hits, but let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sheldon Keefe made an interesting comment. I, I like his comment. What, what did he say about Mitch Marner, Tim? So, yeah, one of the Leafs reporters, I want to say Luke Fox, uh, tweeted out yesterday, the day before, that Marner is getting reps at defense during training camp, primarily playing with Mitch, uh, sorry, with my, uh, Riley, and, and that they are giving him a look at that, and they're talking about that during the season. And it came up that uh, this has been discussed before. I think Marner might have been the one who brought it up. And then Keith came in and said, basically, it's only going to be situational. He said there could be opportunities in games where we might want to give him a look on defense, whether we're trying to score a goal or playing from behind, whatever the case might be, that we might give him some opportunity there to see what it looks like. So break that down. What does that mean situationally? I mean, you down a goal. Is that what, like what did that actually look like in terms of X's and O's? Well, I don't think this is the first time we've seen this, but X's and O's, what this says is, we have one defenseman who is okay with the puck and the other five are garbage. And we don't want you out there ruining our offense when we need a goal. Muzzin, Giordano, Brody, Sandin, Hall. No, 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 no. Go away. And I get it. I like it. We've seen other teams do this. When I was with um, the San Jose Sharks, they would play Marlowe, Thornton, Hurdle, and put Cooch on the point with Brent Burns. When I was with Chicago, they would have Duncan Keith and Patty Kane up top. Then you'd have Sharp, Posa, and Taves. What a murderous row that was. Ooh. Are you kidding me? Kane and Keith up top with Sharp, Posa, and Taves? So good. Like, that's that's scary how good that lineup was. But what what this does, it just gives them a flexibility. The only problem is, I've, I've seen that happen in the power play. I've seen it happen when you're, you know, you need, you're pushing for a goal or you're pulling your goalie. You, you can't count on Marner to play defense at all because everyone's going to say, well, what if it's a two on two or what if you, you know, the devil's advocate, what if they, they throw the puck in Marner's corner? Marner is not going back to pick up a puck with the, with the chance of getting blown up by a Tom Wilson. That, that's not going to happen. I think this is a no brainer. I think this is a moot point. I think he should have been doing this from the outset. If you don't have two defensemen, who can control a play, you're confident. If you're not, you don't have the luxury of having a Sergachev and a headman or other teams that have puck moving defensemen that aren't going to blow up a play. Why not? Mitch Marner is one of the most talented players in the NHL. And if you feel confident with him at the point, go for it. He won't be the high guy. Maybe he'll be on the wing. You have Riley at the point. Then you have Marner on the one side and Matthews on the other side. Then you have Tavares and Nylander down low, or you, you throw somebody else into the mix. Maybe you put Michael Bunting in front of the net. But it gives you the flexibility of just having another puck-moving guy up top. And the way teams work now, what Colorado does, there's really no point guy when they're pressing for a goal. You see McCars behind the net for a good portion of the power play, and you have Landeskog up top. Not Landeskog. It would be Ranton it up top. And, and there's always motion. Because the way defenses work now, the way penalty kill works now, everybody knows what you're going to do. And the way to thwart a good penalty kill is motion. It's chaos. Because there's no way to say, I have that defenseman, I have that defenseman, I have this guy, and then I'll take those two guys. Because you're you're always trying to create a two-on-one. But when there's motion and you're confusing those guys and they don't know who you're picking up, if if I'm playing a penalty kill versus Colorado, I'm like, okay, I got my car, he's playing the point there. Holy cow, he's behind the net now. What do I do? 
And that's how you break down penalty kills. And that's how you break down defense. And if Toronto can do that by putting Mitch Marner on top, it's a no brainer to me. Yeah. But what you're talking about, those examples you gave like Chicago, isn't the big thing that they're, you're talking about power play where they're like, you know, having a four forwards and a defenseman on the power play, or maybe something overtime specialty is one thing, but like regular five on five hockey, doesn't that, isn't this something a little bit different than what you than what you talked about? Not really. I think this is hand in hand where he will only be out there when they need a goal. Like, I, I don't think Marner is going to be playing five on five middle of the game. I apologize for my mic. I got excited. Tim sent me a message. I was like right into it. I, I get all excited when I talk about this stuff, but no, I think this is a smart move. I don't know why more coaches don't do this. I don't know why more coaches don't put out five forwards, put out your five best offensive players. And go for it. If you're down a goal, why not? Why not if you're Colorado or if you're Edmonton or if you're Toronto? Offensive zone faceoff. We're going Matthews, Bunting, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Jan Kark, and maybe Riley if someone needs a, a change. You know what I mean? It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to force a situation if I'm forced to go for a goal and just say, oh, you know what? I, I have to put out Darnell Nurse or Evan Bouchard, or Tyson Berry. I have to put those guys out. No, you don't. I'm going Nuge, Dreinsidel, Hyman, Yamamoto, McDavid, and Kane. Those are my six. I, th- I think you – I don't know why more coaches just don't do that because there's – when you look at the talent, most of it's up front. It's very rare when you have a team with a defenseman who can control a play and not mess it up and be as creative as the offensive guys are. Colorado has that. Tampa Bay has that. Nashville has that. But there's not a lot of teams where you can just say, I trust that guy to make plays. So it seems like the way the game's going, the way coaches are being creative and offensive and just you don't really have a position. I don't know why this hasn't evolved more. You're down a goal third period. Throw Nugent Hopkins as a defenseman. I want the Nuge and Yamamoto to be my defenseman. Like It just makes it, – it makes – more sense to have that than to have a defenseman who's traditionally back there who's going to be a facilitator and panic maybe and dump it in or shoot it or turn it over. We've seen many times or even Hedman's done it where he's at the point where he maybe gets pressured and he makes a mistake and it's just the puck's out of the zone. And seconds matter. If the puck goes out of the zone, then you got to regroup. That's another 40 seconds. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, he might I'm a be, little you're, uh, you're skeptical. Well, I'm a little surprised to hear your take on this because most of the the hockey Twitter in the last 24 hours is just roasting the Leafs for this. Like typical, they can't figure it out, so they got their best offensive player playing defense. He's small and undersized. He's going to get blown up. Everyone's just kind of laughing at the Leafs, but you're a little bit more uh, evolved with your take here. I like it. I think they will love. I think they'll love having Mitch Marner up top. He's not a shooter. He's a facilitator. He's going to be able to see the ice more. You have a little more time. I, I think this is going to be a successful um, little experiment. It, it's going to be great. I think this will force more teams to do this. Because look down the look at the teams. If I'm in the NHL, wouldn't I want if I'm even Calgary or these Vancouver teams? Would I not want a playmaking forward at the top rather than putting? a guy up there who, you know, has a pretty good shot, but doesn't have the hands of a, a skilled forward. Well, why think, not? 
think about the Bruins, right? Like you're going to have a big three up front. And then wouldn't you rather have like Krejci or Hall next to McAvoy instead of a Grizzly or Carlo? Like who's, I mean, Lindholm is pretty good, but none of those guys are super offensive. And even McAvoy isn't putting up a ton of points. So yeah, I, I see it. I see it. Well, for even them. a Craig Smith in that situation who has yeah. much better, even a Nozick who is their fourth line. Run. Pretty much any forward who isn't just a plumber, like you wouldn't want Trent Frederick or Nick Felino. Any other guy who was more comfortable controlling the puck in tight situations, you would want up there during a situation when you need to score. I'm talking four minutes left in the game. You're down by one or two. That's when you do it. You're not doing this to start a period. You're not doing this middle of the game. These situations only arise when you're down a goal. And that's it. You pull the goalie six on five power play five on four. For those who don't think this is a good idea, why would you not want your best players on the ice? Get all your offensive guys on the ice to score a goal. I I don't understand the reasoning why you wouldn't want that, especially when you don't have a good defenseman who can score. I don't know. It, it makes too much sense to me. I don't know. No, I, I, like, I like the it. idea. I like it. Let's move on. We can't talk about the Leafs all the time. The cap projections were released a few weeks ago. I think they did this, maybe a week and a half. We haven't got a chance to touch on it. We've been doing interviews, but I I really was shocked by the projections coming out. So the NHL released something. It gave the teams a four-year glimpse into the future. This year, 82.5. Next year, 83.5. And then we see the new TV deal. We see maybe teams getting fans back in the building, a big jump, 2024, 2025. They're projecting it to be 87 and a half to 88 million. And then the year after that, heads up, $92 million. Now, I don't know where they get this projection from. This, this, this seems a little aggressive in my eyes to, to just pro- project at 10 million more in, in four years, but who knows? The, the reason I'm skeptical the Canadian economy is, is in a downward spiral. And the NHL as a whole, they lean on that revenue from Canada so heavily. The NHL could care less if LA, San Jose, Arizona, Dallas, Nashville, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, they could care less if those guys don't make much money. Yes, it, it stings a little bit. But if the big six in Canada don't pull in some money, and if that Canadian dollar suffers a little bit, none of this will none of this will happen. These pro, these projections won't be nearly as high. So if the Canadian dollar continues to plummet and stink, and Trudeau drives this country even further into a recession, that cap won't raise that much because you need that revenue from Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. They make a ton of money. Their ticket sales are through the roof. Their concessions are through the roof. They sell out every single game. That's where the big slice of the pie is for the HRR. It's those Canadian teams. Everybody knows it. Batman knows it. And you need that Canadian dollar to be strong. If the Canadian dollar was on par with the U.S. dollar, that salary cap number would be $100 million. That's how important it is to, for, for that Canadian dollar to be strong. And right now, ooh, it's not looking good. The way the housing market in Canada is, it's, it, it, something needs to happen in Canada. But all that aside, let's just say that's not on the table. Let's just say what they projected is true. In 2025, it will be a $92 million salary cap. That's a pretty big deal. $10 million more to spend in four years. GMs are happy. 
players are happy, more money into the system. Which player, Tim, in your eyes, looks at that and goes, oh, baby, oh, baby, yes, baby. And which player looks at that and goes, ah, come on, man, really? Well, uh, Austin Matthews comes to mind. He's got a big renewal coming up, I think, in two seasons. So I think he's a free agent in 23-24. And so they're going to try to lock him up as soon as possible. So I think probably next summer we're, we're trying to lock him up next spring. But yeah, if they, if, if, if this, if this trend continues, it won't be at 92 at that point, but if it's looking like it's going to be, he's going to want like $15 million and he'll probably get it, especially in the open market. If the Leafs don't, don't ask for that and don't commit to it. Um, I don't know who else is up for like a big renewal in the next couple of years. That's well, John Saito, Matthews, yeah. all, all those guys. There's, I don't know if agents knew they must have that, that the big cap increase is happening in 24, 25, 25, 26. Cause there's a lot of play posture knocks slicking his chop. There's a lot of guys who are up in that range who will be due for a pretty substantial race. The name that sticks out to me is poor McKinnon just signed a new deal. And Kale McCarr just signed a new deal. When you look at the Colorado avalanche cap friendly page, Last year, it's like, oh, they're going to be in trouble. All of a sudden, the cap raises by $10 million, and their core is tied up for a long time. They got Landeskog tied up. They got McKinnon tied up. They got Nishushkin tied up. They got McCarr tied up. And these guys are signed to 28, 29, 30, 31, and 29, 30. So that $12.5 million contract that Nathan McKinnon just signed, check back in four years, that'll be probably like the 10th or 11th highest contract in the NHL. And he'll still be only 30 years old and probably still one of the best players in the NHL. So he could potentially be in his career, have two of the most team-friendly contracts of all time when they've been long-term contracts. And then the Kale McCarr contract, that's already a bad contract. He's already underpaid at $9 million. Fast forward four or five years, he's going to be a free agent again in 27, 28. That guy's going to be drastically underpaid. Drastically. Like he should be making arguably maybe double what he's making in three years. And that's not even too far-fetched to say. If, if you're Kale McCarr and you continue to rack up Norris's and Conn Smythe's and changing the way people see defensemen and you're only making $9 million and some guys around the league are making 15, 16, it, it isn't that far-fetched to say that you, you should be making $18 million. Now, that being said, I think people are getting, getting a little, you know, maybe too ahead of their skis a little bit on this. So, oh, he's going to be making 18. He's going to be making 15. Right now, McDavid is the highest paid player in the NHL. He makes... Twelve and a half million, right? That's fifteen. As of right now, yeah. As of yeah. right now, he makes fifteen percent of his salary of the of the salary cap as a whole. So if you project that to ninety two million, fifteen percent of that is only thirteen point eight seven five. So I don't see GMs really going nuts signing guys for fifteen sixteen million dollars. I don't think it works. I think we might see a fourteen million dollar player, maybe. I don't know. This is good. What this will happen is that the higher end guys will make more money. The lower end guys will make a little more and the middle, the middle group there will still be making two, $3 million. Well, I think the thing you got to keep in mind though, is McDavid was kind of a discount. That was a hometown deal. That was him sticking with his team. So if one of these top tier players does become an unrestricted free agent, I think we could see them for close to 20% of a salary, more than 15, which is like, we'll use Matthews as an example. If he doesn't want to stay in, in Toronto and he hits the open market, he's going to get basically whatever he wants, which is the difference yeah. from McDavid. What is the highest number then? If the cap is 92 million, 
and your GM, are you willing to part with 20% of the cap? What's 20% of 92, Tim? Let's do it right now. 92 times 0.2. That's $18.5 million. Are you willing to write your check and say, Matthews, 18 and a half for seven years. Welcome aboard. Okay. Well, before I answer that, answer the question. Think about the next two years. Does Matthews win a playoff round? Does that factor into your decision-making? Forget about the goals he puts up. If they don't have any playoff success, is that the, the horse you want to hit your cart to? You tell me. I just asked you that question right now. Uh, so he's leaving Toronto in two years. He's 24-25. 2024-25, he will be 27 years old. He's scored 60 goals. Let's just say he gets 50 and 55 the next two years. Who cares what Toronto does? Are you going to give that guy $18.5 million? That's 20% of your salary. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's real. I think that's too high. That's too high. No. Okay. But, yeah. but You just well, said someone, someone would. <laughs> someone, someone might. I'm, I'm not doing that. It depends on the team, too. And, you know, two years is a long way away. A lot could happen. So we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. Just looking at teams that are successful, like the Avalanche, their highest paid player makes 11% of the cap. When you look at a team like Tampa Bay, their highest paid player makes 11% of the cap. It, 20% would be insane. Well, you've also talked about this all summer long is like the teams that, that win are home drafted talent. And like, you can sign big free agents and still do well, but when you're for your guy, your main guy you're building around is a free agent signing and never works out. It just never does. I agree. I agree. But you're seeing these guys, the way that contracts are being doled out these days. I think that line of thinking might go out the window because you see these young guys signing these deals right out of their entry level contract. And they're still 21 years old for eight years that puts them to 27, 28, where they're still really good. So I, I think my thinking might change in the future. But right now, it, it's tough to win when you have to pay through the nose for a free agent. But it is fun to watch. It is fun to watch. The team that I, that I look at, I took a lot of heat for this, Tim. I took a lot of heat when I said the things that I said about the Ottawa Senators. How good does their core look right now? If this projection... Plays out $92 million in 25, 26, 87, 88, and 24, 25. You look at their team, fast forward three years, four years, they'll have Kachuk, Norris, Shabbat Shalom, Stutzel, and Batherson. Five elite players locked up for only $37 million. That's pretty legit. You, you have $50 million to spend, and your top five guys are already locked up. That's dangerous. That's de- And I, I wrote in our agenda, could, underlined bold, because this is a big could. We don't know how these players are going to pan out. I think the, the verdict it is, is in on a few of them. Shabbat's a legit, he's a legit 1A defenseman. He's a good defenseman. Kachuk is a legit, legit centerman. The guy's good. He's put up points in this league. The verdict is still out on Stutzel, Batherson, and Norris, I think. They're trending in the right direction. I think if they continue to improve, they will be very, very, very potentially superstar players. All that being said, could Ottawa be the new Colorado? Where you look at their roster, you look at their salary, and you go, holy cow, how do they do that? How do they lock these guys up for this long term and they have all that money to spend? Because I'm talking Kachuk signed to 27-28. Norris is signed through 29-30. You got Stutzel signed for 30-31. Shabbat Shalom signed from 27-28. 
These guys are, are signed for a long term. Batherson's only 26, 27, and he's va- he's only making 4.9. Could this team be the new Colorado where players want to go to Ottawa? Who knows if they're going to lock up to Brinkett? That's a whole other ball of wax. He's all of a sudden balking where he doesn't. He's a little unsure if he wants to stay in Ottawa. Is this the new Colorado team? Is this a team that in five years you look at the roster and they go, gosh, is Norris only making 7 9? Brady Kachuk's only making 8 2. Stutzel's making 8 3. How is that possible? Shabbat's only making 8. Other guys like his talent are making 14, and he's only making 8. Is, is this where Ottawa's headed? Yeah, we've been singing their praises for a couple of years and, and what they're doing, what they're building, and they've, they've made all the right moves, and it's a good point. Like, just say someone like, um, I don't know, Brett Pesci from, from Carolina takes a couple big steps, and he's like the next big thing in, among defensemen. He wants a big pay raise. Yeah, like to your point, like Shabbat only making $8 million, and other guys putting up similar minutes and points and numbers and all that are making 12 or 14. Like, it's going to look really good. And I think that's what the GM is betting on. So I think this team in a really good position. I kind of want to see uh, Detroit follow suit. The next team, I think, is on the way up. Yeah. I mean, and I Anaheim. Anaheim, too. Well, it's just it, it teams that set themselves up in good positions for cap. And I, and I think you know, four years ahead, no one really has anybody signed, but teams like Detroit, teams like Minnesota, they're going to have a ton of money. Once you get the Parisian suitor cap hits off, that's $14 million. That's going to coincide with the salary cap raising. And we know Billy Guerin is not afraid to make a move teams like that. Teams like Vancouver, who are always pressed for cap space. Well, we got to trade Bo Horvat. We got to let go of P- money Vegas. They're going to benefit from stuff like this. I think everybody benefits but teams that are in the cap crunch now are going to benefit the most. Teams like the Rangers, I'm interested to see what they do. They have a good core locked up. Zabinijad's locked up for a long time. Fox is locked up for a long time. They got Panarin to figure out in a few years. But I, I do think the teams that are pressed for cap space are the ones that look at this and they go, good. But then you look conversely, teams like Pittsburgh or Washington, their window was closed and they had to go through the COVID era dealing with no cap space and they weren't allowed to bring in other players to aid because they didn't have any space. Cause usually year it raises 5% year, year upon year. And it didn't, it didn't raise at all. I'm like, dang it. Like that was our window. We didn't, we didn't get it. We didn't get that, that 5% bump to get that veteran forward. We could bring in for $2 million and to really push our team over the top. And so there's like, imagine if Pittsburgh had an extra $10 million or $4 million to work with. They, they would have been a drastically different team. So those teams it kind of stinks a little bit, but it's, it's good for hockey. Now, a lot of the questions swirling is what happens to escrow? Escrow is always the, the main topic when you, when you see the salary cap rise, when you see it fall. Players owe so much money in escrow. The salary cap rising doesn't really do much for escrow. The players are going to owe what the players are going to owe, whether it's an $82 million cap, whether it's a $92 million cap. In the eyes of players, the more money in the system, the better. Because that's more monies in players' pockets. It's a good thing. So... I don't know. The players will always owe escrow. It's going to be for around forever. They'll never get rid of it. It was a mistake when they brought it in in 2004. Trevor Linden, thank you very much. Ruined it for everybody. But it's just one of those things where it's it's a way of life. They'll just have to pay, pay more money. And it all goes back to Canada. Even the NHL players know it. I'm like, how is the Canadian dollar doing? Because they give you escrow pro- projections throughout the year. It's like, okay, this, this quarter, we're taking off 13% of your check. 
Oh, the Canadian dollar is struggling next quarter. We're going to take off 17% of your check because the NHL doesn't want the players to owe money at the end of the year that they have to get a check from everybody. They want the opposite to happen where they've overpaid escrow. It's like your insurance for your house. The, you always get a check back every year for you house owners, you know, for um, taxes. Oh, you overpaid. So you owe this much. It's the same thing for escrow players. They just take it right off your check. You don't have to write the NHL check at all. You get your check every two weeks and it goes, okay, there's a state tax, federal tax escrow right there. And so they, they, they adjust that based on the Canadian dollar basically. And it's, it's just like a stupid Canada, man, Trevor Linden. When I get upset, Tim, you know what I do? I go to the fridge. I look in there. Usually there's no food because my kids are animals. They eat everything. And if they don't eat it, they make it look disgusting. So I don't even want to touch it. That means I fire up my phone, DoorDash app, and I get me a nice hoagie delivered right to my door. It calms me down. It fills up the belly and I'm able to just go forward with my day and chop some wood. That's what I've been doing lately, just chopping the wood. And I need some sustenance to keep me going through the day. And I use DoorDash and I get it and I get it fast and I get it cheap. Stordash is a terrific company. And if you use our promo code GlovesDD, if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US, if you're in the US of A, you get 25% off, you get free delivery, you get yourself a good hoagie. I had one of the best sandwiches I ever had last week. It was coming by a restaurant in Traverse City called The Fresh Coast. It was delicious. DoorDash, melted cheese, got it to me, pickle spear wrapped up in the sandwich. So incredibly good. Could not have happened without the DoorDash app. So you should use it. It's so incredibly easy to use. Use our promo code. Get yourself a deal. Get yourself some food. Who wants to make food, Tim? Not me. Not me. Not every day. Not all the time. Maybe sometimes, but not not when I'm hungry chopping wood. Listen, I'm I'm home with my mom. Do you think she's got food waiting for me? No. Deirdre I'm, doesn't I'm, cook. I'm she firing up DoorDash. She's she's flying around town. She's not worried about Tim coming home. You got a bachelor party. You're probably going to DoorDash. Who knows? What can you DoorDash? Uh, we'll find out tonight, Tim. I don't know. But anyways, everybody, use DoorDash. All right. Daryl Sutter. Guy's usually reserved, quiet, doesn't really step too outside of, you know, he's just, he's very calculated with his comments. His latest comments about Matthew Kachuk were a little, a little interesting, Tim. What did you think of that? What did he say? And I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, it's not too often you get like, you know, actual tidbits of information, actual like really poster worthy stuff from when these trades happen. And I think what, one of the reasons that we are we are seeing it here is that the way the trade happened was also unusual. Goudreau leaving the Flames last minute. I think he kind of the story is that he egged them on and kind of like made it seem like he was going to come back. And then last minute left. They're scrambling. They they able to wheel and deal and made a great move out of it. Made you know turn this the ship around thankfully. But yeah, there's a lot of little little information here. So I'll start with the starter one. He was asked in a press conference about the slim similarities between Tyler Toffoli, who's on the Flames, and Kachuk, which I thought was kind of a strange question anyway. They're not that similar, and Kachuk's a much better player even at Toffoli's peak. I don't know where that question came from, but he said and didn't mince words. He said no. One guy's won Stanley Cups, been part of long playoff runs. Shots fired. Shots fired. Kachuk. Like, so good. Yeah. And Kachuk hasn't made it. Has he made it out of the first round? I don't think. And uh, I know he did. Yeah. Obviously, they won the first round, but he didn't. He hasn't really been a part of anything successful. And he, doesn't, 
And he hasn't produced that much in the playoffs points-wise. He hasn't put up any big numbers yet. And Toffoli wasn't a huge playoff producer, but he was a clutch playoff producer when he was with the Kings. Like, big goals and big moments, overtime, that big thing. So, yeah, I love that Sutter didn't hold back there. Even last year, Kachuk put a bunch of points up in the first game when they waxed Edmonton. I think they he put up like four or five points. He had a bunch of goals. After that, he was very, very quiet. So I listen. Do I I, I enjoy this? I do. Uh, I think Daryl Sutter, I like him. Him and I had plenty of run-ins throughout the throughout my career. Um, he was my coach for the All-Star game. Um, good guy, farmer, salt of the earth, doesn't care for a Matthew Kachuk type player. And that's just, everybody can see that. Kachuk has a lot of flair to his game. He's very outspoken. He's in your face. He lets you know how he feels, and he lets everybody know how he feels about everything. He's just that type of player, very loud. Daryl Sutter, reserved, stoic, looks like a mean son of a gun. You wouldn't want to cross him. He's just a, he's a farm boy. Doesn't like Kachuk. I love what he said here. He's like, you don't want to be here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna t- go scorched earth on you. Beat it. Like you, you made your bed. You haven't won anything. I got Tyler Toffoli. He's a clutch performer, and I'll, I'll go into battle with that guy any day of the week rather than you, Matthew Kachuk. So, yeah, I, I loved it. Matthew Kachuk will respond. Uh, he will, and this will be even. It'll drag on somewhat because I'm sure Matthew will get asked that question. Did you hear Daryl Sutter's comments on you? He's like, ah, I hated playing for him or something like that. But it's good. It's good for the game. These guys are passionate about winning. Daryl Sutter likes being in Calgary. Kachuk obviously didn't. They're allowed to be upset about it. I, I don't think anybody should have their feelings hurt about this. What else is happening in, as the Calgary turns here? This is our new drama for the season. Yeah, it didn't stop there. And this is one where it's like, can you read into this or not? But Johnny Gaudreau was asked about, like, I forget the exact question, but he was asked about just leaving Calgary and like stuff, the stuff that they're doing. And his, his message was basically, no, I'm focused on Columbus. But the way that he worded it, he said, no, I mean, when I say I love Calgary, it's the city. He talked about the fans. But now that I'm with Columbus, I couldn't care less what they do as a team. So you could look at this one way and it's like, hey, I'm on Columbus. I'm focused on this. I don't care about my past teams. And that's fair enough. And maybe that's all it was. Or again, there's, there's there's some smoke where there's fire here. Could you could you look into this and saying like, hey, I don't care about those guys anymore. They're part of my past. This is that is a bridge burned. That's not part of my life anymore. You know, how much do you read into that? Well, I think I think the latter. I think you can contrast that to a Zuccarello comment when he was on our show last this week, where he was talking about the Rangers, how he's still really good friends with those guys. You know, it, it was tough to leave. It was a good situation, but for whatever reason, he had to move on. You can tell he still really has a good friendship with Zabinajad and Kreider, and he, he's, he was torn up about leaving the New York Rangers. You contrast that to Johnny Gaudreau, where he's like, oh, it's a nice city. Didn't mention any of the guys on the team. Didn't mention anything about the staff, anything. There was some issues in that locker room. I don't know what. I'm not a Calgary insider, but – for him to leave and say the things that he said and for Kachuk to, to leave the way that he'd left. I wonder what was going on in that room, because when you look at their makeup, you would think that would be a, a, a tight knit group. You got Lindholm who's been there forever Toffoli is an obviously proven veteran. Luch seems to control a room if he wants to. Then on the back end, you have veteran guys. Something didn't gel there. 
something happened. I don't know if it was the coach. I don't know if it was the players, but there was something happening with the dynamics of that team that didn't work. It's very, this doesn't happen when your top two guys all of a sudden just want to jump ship and they're not happy and they air it publicly. Yes. You might not have, you know, the best relationship with a guy here or a guy there for two guys to leave and to just air their laundry. They're not doing it terribly bad, but this, this does to me speak volumes where he's just like, it's a nice city. Yeah, I guess I'm in Columbus. now. Like he, he played 10 years there. You have not one good thing to say about Lindholm or anybody. You know, it's going to be sad not playing with those guys anymore. We built a, a really good friendship. Those are guys that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, think about the rest of my life. They were family. Nothing. I like the city. It was okay. A couple of good restaurants. Stampede was fun a couple of years. Like it's just, it, it it's very eye opening. And then you have the guy coming to Calgary. What did he say, Tim? Jonathan Huberto. Yeah, so this is a, this is an important story. So when he was told by Bill Zito that he was being traded, he said "f you" just right to his <laughs> I, over the phone. So and this is a, a, a clip that Chick was pointed out, and or and they had Yandel on. And so um, this is an important distinction there because Biz said, "Like, what did you hear when he told he was being traded to the Calgary?" And he said "f you." And then he said, "Well, I don't know that he said it about being traded to Calgary, just that he was being traded." period. And that's an important distinction because I don't want to, you know, make a make a drama when there's not there. But he's not happy about being traded, putting up 115 points and then being shipped out of town. And a part of it's like, hey, you're bringing in like a younger player, five years younger, putting up similar points. He's like, am I just chopped liver now? So I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder how much of this is true and what his reaction truly was in the room in that moment. I think this is true. I And I don't want to bring it back to me, but I will. But when I got traded from Arizona by Don Baloney, he pulled me in the stick room and he, we were, it was just him and I in there. And he looked at me, he goes, John, I, I've just traded you. And I looked him square in the eye and I said, you got to be effing kidding me. And he goes, excuse me. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You Are you serious? And I was completely shocked by the news. And I think that's what happened here where Jonathan Huberto did not expect to be traded. He's their best player. MVP caliber season has been hands down their biggest points producer for the last few years. And he gets a call from the GM saying, we traded you. He's like, it's just a knee jerk reaction. Like, come on, are you kidding me? And I had the same reaction and I'm not an MVP calendar caliber player. I was a schmelt who was in and out of the lineup. And I still had that same reaction. My GM face to face. So I get it. Players don't like to be traded. It's a very human reaction to be fe- to be wanted it's just ingrained in us where it's like i want to be wanted and when someone doesn't want me it hurts you to the core whether you're getting broken up with whether you're being fired whether you're being traded any any situation you're the last kid picked on the kickball court growing up in school it hurts because everybody wants that feeling and when you have your boss your gm come to you and say we don't want you anymore you don't even think about the team that's trading for you that they want you your instant reaction is you don't want me. Why? Because I'm not good enough. And it hurts. And you're like, F you, man. I am good enough. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me, but it hurts. It, it honestly hurts. The, like, I, I've almost, you almost get brought to tears because you invest so much time in this team 
you you see you see the friendships and all this stuff and it's your life and you're completely upended and you just had your best season ever and you're an MVP candidate and you're the heart and soul of the team and you're Jonathan Huberto and you're one of the top 10 players in the NHL and you still get traded. Yeah. There was a few, man. There was a great tweet yesterday. The NBA traded like one team traded like four bench players for another team's four bench players. Just, I don't know why. And I don't follow <laughs> the NBA, but the guys were just like, yeah, this makes no sense for either team. And someone said, all you're doing is making a bunch of guys get new apartments for no reason. Like yeah. that's all that's all happening. They're not going to play in these new cities either. It's fine. You're uprooting all these people and their families and everything, but Hey, it's a business. And I, I, I wanted to ask Zucks about this, but I, I felt bad about the whole Rangers trade and, I'm like, is that when it became a business to you when you had it like a, an unwritten, you know, agreement with who was their guy there? Jeff Gordon. It's like, okay, I'll get you on the next deal. Cause I'm sure they had that conversation, help the team out now. And then we'll, we'll re up you when we get some more room. I'm like, did that, I was wondering if that's when it became a business for him. Cause every player has that moment where it's like, okay, this is, this is a business. These guys don't have your best interest. They don't like you. They don't care about you. This is all a business. So I was wondering if that was it for him when it was like, okay, I got to look out for number one, sign a big deal in Minnesota, get some terms, five years, $6 million. I'm set for life now. I'm just interested. All right, Tim, anything else on this? Uh, no, no. Okay. Let's, let's do some cool quick hits. This has been a good episode. I've been enjoying this. <laughs> Sometimes coming in, you're like, oh, this one's going to be a little bit of a drag. I'm actually enjoying this one. We're having a lot of good conversation. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. Okay. Uh, let's start with the first one. Spencer was that, was that Borat you were trying to? No, it's uh, one of the Adam Sandler movies when the guy's like, oh, these scrawny arms. No, they're not scrawny. They're nice. They're nice. They're nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> they're nice. Funny. Um, uh, Spencer Knight, friend of the show, signed an extension with Florida three years at 4.5. Um, do you think they're betting on him to take over the job from Bobrovsky? Well, yeah, they just signed him for $4.5 million. That's a lot of money tied up for two goalies. It is, but Borowski's still got $10 million on some term there. I don't know how many more years. Who knows? Who knows what's happening? Bobrovsky, we've sh- he, there's chinks in his armor. The guy, he's not the same goalie that he was five years ago, let alone two years ago. Spencer Knight's the the present and the future for the Florida Panthers. If they, if they want to win a cup, game one, I, I think you're dressing Spencer Knight. It's friend of the show, too. You know, it's funny. Uh, there was a graphic treated out by the NHL last week. Sergei Bobrovsky has won two Vezina trophies. Two. Do you know who's won one? Henrik Lundqvist has won one. Ryan Miller wild? has won one. Uh, Carey Price has won once. Tuka Rask has won once. Vasilevsky has won once. Flurry has won once. Pekka Rene won one. And Bobrovsky won two. It's crazy. He was crazy, crazy. When he was in his prime, Elite, elite. Well, the the Vezinas speak for themselves. He was an elite goaltender. Ever since coming over to Florida, he's shown glimpses of it, but he he's not the same guy that we once knew. Gosh, was he good when he started out? And he was in like Philadelphia, then Columbus. He was so incredibly good, so incredibly good. His numbers were just outstanding. Nine thirty one save percentage, almost almost a one point nine nine goals against average. Like he was, the guy was lights out. He never really had much playoff success. Those Columbus teams, they were good. Not great, obviously, but man, was he good. He was. And in Florida, it just hasn't worked. His first year there, three, two, three goals against nine save percentage, 
2.91 save or goals against 906 save percentage last year, a little better, but still not, you know, not the guy you signed for 10 million, 10 years. Definitely not that guy. When you, when you're rolling out a 913 save percentage and, and we signed you at 931, a little bit of a difference there, a little bit of a difference, but anyways, that's funny. Uh, yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the Trevor Zegers hit. You saw that, I'm assuming. What would you think of that? That was a beautiful hit. Keep your head up, kid. It was a yeah. monster hit. Do you like, if, even if it's a clean hit, are you cool with Henry fighting the guy? Is that still a, something he should answer for? Yeah, I don't care. I think that's yeah. fine. Henry got his doors beaten off. That guy who hit Zegers was pretty tough. So I I, I don't mind it. <clears throat> He's your best player, Zegers. One of them. Got to stick up for him. Maybe not Henrique. Maybe get someone who can send an actual message, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was in the moment there. All right, Toronto Maple Leafs news, Tim. Johnny Tavares, he's out a couple of weeks, minimum three, potentially more, oblique strain. He's had the same injury. He had the same oblique injury three years ago. I had to look up where the oblique was. It's in your abdomen. It's not good news. For the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a guy who's, how old is Tavares now? 32. 32-33. He's had this injury before. When they don't have a John Tavares, this team is not very good. It's it's noticeable when he's out of the lineup. We saw in the playoff run when he got that hit by Corey Perry, the team completely fell apart. When John Tavares is out of the lineup, Toronto is a drastically different team. They need this guy to be healthy. If he's injured going into the season, which he is going to be, he probably missed the first couple weeks of the season. This is an injury that will linger. He's going to be rushed back because they're going to be struggling to begin the season. It's not good. These core injuries that don't have time to fully heal where you don't give them a couple months. Gosh, that's too bad. I like Toronto this year. Hopefully they give him the time just to heal up 100%. But knowing Johnny T, he's their captain. They're going to want him out there. But it's it's uh, it's a tough break for Toronto. It's a tough break. All right, what else are we talking about? Did you see that that Slavkovsky kid with the first overall pick with Montreal? Did you see he weighs two hundred and thirty eight pounds, which is That's top five of- in weight in the entire NHL? He's only eighteen. He's like right behind like Hedman and uh, who's that big? Yeah, who's that big defenseman who was with Ale- Ottawa? Alexiak. Yeah, yeah. It's like crazy. He's like any there's a couple of clips of him playing and he's just guys bouncing off him. Like he took an open ice hit and the guy was the one who went down. It was here in Traverse City at the Prospects camp. Was it? Got, yeah. He was he's a man amongst boys. He will yeah. be well, that's Yager. Yeah. Said the same thing. This guy plays just like me. He's a big body, controls the puck, uses his behind to get some space. He's gonna be a force. He will be a good player. For years and years to come. I'm excited to watch this guy hit the NHL because I, oof, he's going to be good. All right, what else? Yeah, last thing here. Uh, the Ch- Jacob Chitron rumors are swirling again, flying all over the league. The six team that he's been linked to from Darren Dreger, uh, the Oilers and Leafs, obviously, the Blue Jackets, the Blues, the Kings, and then the Senators, which I think if I'm a betting man, I would pick on Ottawa to get this guy. Uh, you think he's got still two more years, two or three more years under contract, Jacob Chipchin, but they're moving him again, and it seems like it will probably be dealt. It's Arizona. They're so dumb. So incredible. We've, we've already touched on this. It's so dumb. This guy is making 4.6. He's going to cash in. He'll have the biggest salary jump, I think, of any player. He's That's making 4.6. Yeah. He will be bumped up to $10 million. 
He will more than double his salary in 25-26. He's a big body defenseman. He'll be 27 years old. The guy, if, if you slot him in, I don't think he's a first line 1A offensive guy. You put him on your second D pairing, he's going to be unstoppable. You don't force him to be a power play guy. You don't force him to try to put points on the board. He is a very solid, good defenseman. So, yeah, I think he is going to make $10 bucks when he comes to free agency. What's interesting is, like, who is he really? Like, is he this 18-goal, 41-point player? Is it, can he be a point-per-gamer, like 50, 60-point? No. But is well, he, people say that about Hedman, too. So, yeah. Well, we've just seen a lot of young defensemen over the years that put up big numbers early and then they never replicate them again. And I, I don't want to say that he's not a, a better, more well-rounded defenseman than someone like uh, Michael Delzato or Eric Gustafson who put up like 65 points in Chicago. And then never now he's not even on an NHL team barely. So it's I, it's, it's, I, I don't think he's that player, but he could surprise us. So I, I want to see what he can do in a couple more years. I think he has the other intangibles where he's a very good defensive defenseman. 6'2". Yeah. 215 like he he's a solid kid who can move his feet and get up get up in the play so he, he'll be making nine to ten million dollars when he re, re-ups in three years so yeah good for arizona he just really really building a championship team there just selling everybody we're gonna build our team around clayton keller oh he's a good player clayton keller is a good player I don't want to. You're going to ruin my day. So we had such a good show. <laughs> but Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, and Lawson. I like Lawson Cross. I'm not going to group that. All right, everybody. I hope you have a good weekend. I'm sorry, Arizona fans. You will have a champion one time at some point. The Phoenix Suns, you hit your uh, cart to that wagon, hit your horse to that cart. Start hit your cart to that Phoenix horse. Suns. Whatever. I don't care. Didn't the Diamondbacks win a World Series? lately yeah 2003 or something yeah oh that's a long time ago all right everybody have a good weekend we'll talk to you in october it's very exciting go out there enjoy the fall go eat a pumpkin do something fun the the, the, the ciders are always good this time of year a nice cider do you have a nice flannel shirt john that you can wear this time of year i do i honestly have a couple they sit in my closet until this time of year i'm gonna bust them out thank you for reminding me all right everybody we'll talk to you next week have a good one cheers Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.